We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And welcome back. It's been a little bit. I mean, this has been one of the longest breaks Striking Gold has had in quite some time. Not necessarily planned. I will say that. I mean, the the first week of this of this hiatus, you could call it was you guys were aware of it, recorded the last episode, and then went on an Alaskan cruise, which um, it was my wife and I, our, our official honeymoon. We kind of decided to do a low-key wedding in favor of spending a little bit more on the honeymoon. And given I'm a teacher, we decided to push it off until summer break. And uh, that we we just got done with that about a week ago now. But as far as you guys know, that was the last thing you heard from me. and. I cannot endorse, encourage, promote, recommend this cruise enough. It was unbelievable. I still need to post. I, I did post one picture, and that was from like the morning we woke up and we were just kind of cruising into Alaska, and we looked out our balcony window and we're just like, "Oh my God, we're here!" Because the water was just calm as ever, like glass, you know, snowy mountains off in the distance, a little mist above the water. It was immediately like a reality check for what we were going to see. The entire cruise was just utterly scenic. I had very high expectations. There are not that many things that you could offer me as a vacation around the world that I would take over an Alaskan cruise. It's just something I've always wanted to do. I've always heard great things, and it did not disappoint in the slightest. It was unreal. The entire cruise was like looking at a Windows wallpaper for your computer. Every picture I took 
looked like a Windows wallpaper. It was just so beautiful. It was overwhelming. Katie and I spent so much time just looking out at the view and going, how does it look like this? How are we here? How is it this beautiful? I, I cannot recommend it enough. We went on Princess Cruise Lines. Uh, we went on their newest ship called the Discovery Princess, which was built, I think, in 2022. And that showed that the boat was incredibly nice. Everything about it was first class. Even the buffet was just, the food was great. The breakfast was great. The meals we ate were great. You know, obviously, if you don't know how cruises work, most of the food is free. You can, because it all comes in the cost of the cruise. You can seek out like more expensive, kind of like five star type dining options where you pay a little bit more. But even then, I mean, we ate at their, what was considered their nicest restaurant, and it was like $39 a person because, you know, you're kind of paying above what you've already paid for. F- I mean, as free soft serve was the highlight for me at a little place called Squirrels. You just walked up. And they, and they asked what you want. They hand, it was either vanilla, swirl, or chocolate, and Koner Cup, and they were just cranking them out. You could get pizza whenever you wanted from a place that was just knocking out fresh pizza right there that was really good. Hot dogs and fries, burgers and fries, like at any time. It was just, I can't, I mean, I'm just saying, I, I'm, not, I'm not gloating. I'm just trying to share in how much fun and how enjoyable this cruise was if it ever comes into the picture for you please do it if if you can afford it and everything lines up i want to say we bought it through costco i want to say it was about 1700 a person uh, but you got to think you got to realize that like that comes with you know you're essentially your hotel you're staying on the boat and it and it's almost all the food you could want slash eat um the package that we got also included drinks which didn't drink a whole lot, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Just unbelievable. I, I can't, I, I'm just telling you, if if you're looking for an anniversary celebration or you're just looking to get out of town, I mean, if you live in the Central Valley night right now, going on an Alaskan cruise is like a 50 to 60 degree upgrade. It was like in the 50s the whole time. And uh, it was, you know, 50s to 40s, there wasn't a big swing. And uh, Fresno right now is, I think, hundred and it's going to be like 114 this weekend sucks but i live here so i need to shut up so anyways please look into an alaskan cruise it was incredible hoodie weather the entire time that should sell you on it right there just unreal time of my life uh couldn't believe it couldn't believe it now in related news not necessarily happening simultaneously, but my wife and I found out a couple months before the cruise that we are expecting our first child. And um, you could probably you know, hear my smile through the microphone. Uh, it's a big deal for the louder household. Um, it is a baby boy. We've already had that confirmed by ultrasound. And by the blood tests that they do nowadays, and I, uh, I'm, I'm grinning from ear to ear, man. I can't wait. Um, a little bit of extra pressure on me. I, not that I would have been disappointed in the slightest to have a girl at, at all. I was just, just ready to be a dad. And we're still obviously we're, we're at about four months pregnant right now, so we're not like in any way is is none of this guaranteed. So 
I, you know, the, the age old saying goes, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but, um, obviously we're thrilled to, to be on that journey. My full name, and I've said this before is Robert Newton louder, the fifth, not that it's a great name, but there's been five of us. So, um, Katie has graciously agreed to keep that trend going. And so right around Christmas, New Year's time, there we should be um, a, a Robert Newton Louder the sixth should be gracing the world. So again, still got a long ways to go. Hopefully, you know, if if you're a praying type, pray for me that everything goes okay. I'll be doing the same. I'll knock on wood right now. But uh, when I said that I didn't do a whole lot of drinking, even though all of our drinks were included in the cruise, not alcohol or non-alcoholic. Uh, I did it because uh, Katie couldn't drink. She was uh, she was pregnant, so which we still had an absolutely fantastic time. Neither of us are huge drinkers, so it wasn't like a huge downer. Um, but I'm good for a pina colada or two every now and then. Got no problem with fruity, good tasting drinks, um, and I also have no problem with a beer or two every now and then. So, uh, unbelievable trip, unbelievable news. It's just uh, a lot's been going on since I <laughs> since I jumped jumped uh, last jumped on striking gold. So obviously you have that for, I've known for a while, but you have that first few months, you know, the first trimester, so to speak, where they say, you know, hold off on telling everybody just in case something happens. Um, and now we're well past that. And it, it's a little safer to spread the word. I don't necessarily believe in jinxes or anything like that. So, um, Big news, big news, big news, big things happening uh, in the louder household. So um, now that we've got that out of the way, I've wasted. Hopefully, you don't view as a waste, but I've uh, I've spent eight minutes of my time talking about myself. The reason that this break was two weeks, by the way, it was only supposed to be one week. Um, but uh, Tyler, our esteemed editor, the the man, the myth, and the legend that makes all of the background stuff happen. Uh, he took himself a vacation, and his vacation just happened to be a week after our vacation. So I wasn't going to bug him. I wasn't going to uh, pester him to see you know, if he could pass the audio files on to somebody else. I just, after I had just enjoyed my vacation, I wanted him to enjoy his. So uh, once he told me that he was going to go do something great, then I let him be. But here we are. We are quickly approaching 49ers training camp, which I believe um, is slated to begin in roughly 10 days. It is July 13th. Let me see here. Um, I know that the, the first, another thing that you guys should know is, uh, limited tickets started to sell today, uh, for 49ers training camp and their open practices. I believe at least on here, there are nine days that you can go to. July 26th, 27th, 30th, 31st, and August 1st, 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 7th. Uh, August 7th is Dwight Clark Day, and July 30th is Back Together Weekend. I don't know what that means, but it is what it is. I'll find out more about that later, but if you would like to go to 49ers Training Camp, tickets are only 10 bucks, and they are donation to the 49ers Foundation, which um, educate and empower Bay Area youth. Children under the age of two do not require a ticket. So if you want to get up on training camp, um, I need to know the reporting. Here we go. Here we go. I need to know the reporting days. Uh, 49ers announced schedule for 2023 training camp, July 26th. I mean, those are the 
I believe those are the dates that are open to fans. I want to know the days. I just don't have the days in front of me when uh, players are reporting. But, I mean, we're right there, guys. To me, I've always felt, kind of to me, like the season starts in training camp. And obviously, that's not the real season. I'm talking about actual football games. But there's just, starting at that point, there is a continual stream of news about players, their performances, how they're doing on the field. Um, deals getting signed, you know, all, all the everything starts to ramp up in a very quick fashion. So I'm excited to uh, get back into that. I don't know if I will be heading to training camp or not myself, as I've done, I don't know, the last five, six, six years, I, I think. Um, we'll see. We'll see. It's just it depends on if the schedules line up. Um, we'll see how much Airbnbs are running these days. But um, no matter what, the, the content will be coming your way. So let's talk. Um, with training cramp, train cramp, chaining, chaining, training camp, tongue twisters. It's happening right around the corner. Let's talk receivers. We had started breaking down the rosters. We did running backs. We did quarterbacks. Now we are on receivers, which is a position that we are probably going to handle in and of itself. Um, this will probably wrap up the podcast. We'll just talk receivers and get out of here. But the amount of Obviously, receivers on the roster, the amount of uh, minutia and and detail that goes on in this position group and the situations that are that are rolling into existence, you can talk about them for a while. There's a lot to be said about this 49ers group of receivers. Let's start with kind of just the breakdown of those that exist on the roster. Obviously, at the very top, you've got Devo Samuel, you've got Brandon Ayuk, 1A, 1B, both of them very different players. Both of them capable of very different things, but both excellent playmakers in and of themselves. So those are kind of like your obvious top two that are going to be making the majority of plays. And then behind them, you've got Juwan Jennings, third and Juwan, and you've got Ray Ray McLeod. And then after that, you've kind of got this open competition for what I want to say is one spot, maybe two. The 49ers have kept five in the past. They've kept six in the past. It just depends. Behind those four, you've got Ronnie Bell. You've um, rookie Ronnie Bell uh, going into his third year, I believe, or no, second year. Dan, um, third round wide receiver Danny Gray, Chris Conley, veteran addition, uh, Tay Martin, Daz Newsom, Willie Sneed, the fourth, and Isaiah Winstead, the social media legend. We'll see what he's going to have. Uh, it's an interesting group, but to me, you've got those four, and then it, again, you've got some type of battle for that fifth or sixth spot. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be five. With the amount of talent the 49ers have around this roster, it's tough to keep six receivers when you know the first two and the third, you know, by the time you're getting to the sixth receiver, there's not a whole lot of action to go around. But you never know. It all depends on how they perform in camp and if a player like that can just convince the coaches that they cannot afford to let him go. We'll see uh, when we get to that point if a receiver kind of makes his mark in that fashion. Obviously, starting out, you've got the starters. You've got Debo, Ayuk, Jennings, and McLeod, uh, you know, kind of that, that fourth receiver slash punt returner. In my opinion, one of the absolute best receiving units in the NFL. Now, a lot of their raw numbers aren't necessarily going to speak to that, but at the same time, it, it doesn't take a genius to know what this group is capable of. 
I believe, 26th in the NFL in terms of receptions, but still about 12th or 13th in yards. So in ter- when it comes to opportunity, the 49ers are not high on the list. They're near the bottom of the NFL in terms of the amount of passes being thrown in that offense. But they're still, they've still got the productivity uh, to stand on. Just for comparison's sake, I mean, the 49ers had 4,049 receiving yards last season. The Bears had 2,598. The Falcons had 2,927. The Ravens had 3,202. Now, those aren't obviously teams that you should be proud of beating, but in terms of the grand spectrum of thing, the Chiefs were far and away the leader with 5,250 yards, and then it dropped down to the Vikings at 4,818 yards. So 49ers are in a good place. They're in the 4,000-yard club, which only about half the league is, and uh, and they're not in the, the bottom of that club. So they are a unit that produces exactly what they should produce, if not a little bit more, you know, given Kyle Shannon's ability to scheme players open and this group's ability to make plays, break tackles, get open. Um, it's a good crew. In terms of yards per reception, the 49ers are fifth in the NFL behind the Dolphins, Eagles, Panthers, Chiefs, and then there you've got the Niners ahead of the Bills, ahead of the Saints, ahead of the Bears. Okay, so there, I mean, it's a group that you can do very little digging. And it's a you can tell that they are, I think, underrated to an extent. We'll get into that a little bit more, but I still think underrated to an extent. Now, at the top of the group, you've got Debo Samuel. A brief little 2022 recap, not one of Debo Samuel's stronger years. And that's kind of, Debo Samuel's got this weird trend going right now. And his rookie year, outstanding. 80, uh, 57 catches for 802 yards, three touchdowns. Added another 159 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. That was when we first started to see that versatility. And then, you know, 2020 injuries only had three, only had only played in seven games. 2021 was the year for Debo Samuel, the one where he put this offense on his back and carried them all the way. 77 catches for 1,400 yards, 18.2 yards a pop, six touchdowns, adding 365 yards on the ground for eight touchdowns at 6.2 yards per carry. An unbelievable season. An unbelievable season. And then, obviously, in 2022, dropped back down, only played in 13 games, uh, 632 yards receiving. Hold on, no, I read that wrong. I thought it, I thought this was saying he had eight yards rushing. I was like, excuse me, 232 yards rushing, three touchdowns. So a down year for Debo Samuel. Not a horrible year, but he was his biggest critic. He outwardly said that I felt like last year was horrible. I wasn't in the best of shape. Um, he dealt with more injuries again. He missed with week eight with a hamstring injury. Then 15 through 17, he had an MCL and ankle sprain. So he was dealing with an injury again. He said that his contract discussion distracted him he felt lazy he felt sluggish he put things on tape that he just deemed were not acceptable um and that's not necessarily a good look for a player that's making as much money as Debo Samuel is like you don't want to come off or you know your first year under a new groundbreaking contract and then just have nothing but bad things to say about the season that you put on tape 
he said Kyle Shanahan, he and Kyle Shanahan met and took a look at his last year. And I can only imagine that that was something that Kyle Shanahan wanted to do with Debo to put him in the right space for 2023. Because, I mean, you could – it just – it didn't look like the same Debo. Now, is Debo ever going to repeat 2021? Probably not. We'll get into that in a little bit. But it was clearly a down year for him. Whatever, you know, stresses came from that contract, which seemed like it was it was quite the haul, really affected him to his own admission. On the Debo Samuel note, I didn't even put this in the notes. I should have. I really, honestly, guys, I, I, this may be boring to you, but I do not care that he hung up on that dude. I don't care that the dude was clearly trying to ask him some very headliney and you know, I hate the word clickbait because 99% of the time nowadays, it's not even used in the correct sense, but the guy was clearly who, who had a lot of used to be do Eagles post game comes from, I believe temple, the, the host that Debo Samuel was on uh, a guy that in my opinion, probably Debo wasn't properly prepared by his representation. Whoever the lady was that was with him, because it was obvious just knowing who that guy was that he was going to ask him some Eagles, some Eagles questions. And Debo just wasn't having any of it. And I think there's just a lot of problems with this whole situation. One, if you listen to the interview, the guy just asked him one Eagles question. Debo didn't want much of it. Asked him another Eagles question. Debo's basically like, I said what I said. Uh, you know, I, I still believe it, but we've already talked about that. And then the guy asked him another Eagles question. And by that time, Debo's checking out. You can hear him hailing his uh, his rep, and he was done. And I don't blame Debo for being done. I don't blame the guy for asking questions that he feels like is going to get a re- reaction throughout social media because that's just kind of the atmosphere that we're in nowadays. Um, you know, it, it sounds like that dude, it, when you listen to the chain of questioning, after the first couple questions, it was clear that he should have moved on to something else. But he tried to keep at the Eagles stuff at least one more time. Maybe might have been two more times. And he lost he lost the interview. And so I feel like that guy probably could have had a bit more maturity in, in terms of the line of questioning that he wanted to throw at Debo. I think that Debo himself probably could have had a little bit more maturity. And knowing that, yes, it's been a while. It, it, I mean, the comments he made about beating the Eagles if Brock Purdy were healthy were said like during Super Bowl week. So it has been a long time. But – you know, as one of the NFL's leading playmakers, you know, he's got a, he's a household name. You've got to expect kind of your quotes to travel a long distance and people are going to be asking about them well after you said them, especially a guy with ties to the Eagles. So I feel like the dude was a little immature conducting the interview and you could just hear it in the way he reacts. He knows what he's doing. He's like, Oh really? What are you serious? When he knew what he was doing. And to him, you could tell it wasn't a surprise that Debo wasn't having it. Like the guy was, he almost knew it was coming, but kept at it anyways. On the same, like I said, Debo also could have probably handled himself with a little bit more grace and just stuck to the short answers. Like, yeah, I believe that. But hey, we'll see. Week 13. And he kind of did say that, but the guy just kept at it. So I felt like Debo was a little impatient. You know, you just got to kind of you're you're making 20 plus million in the NFL. That doesn't give a reporter the right to ask you anything and treat you in, in any way whatsoever. But you just got to expect that stuff. And I feel like the 
Debo let the reporter get a little bit under his skin. Now, at the same time, if he doesn't want to be in that interview anymore, he shouldn't have to. The reporter was asking for it. Debo gave it to him. And maybe Debo was a little underprepared by his representation, who should have told him, all right, this guy's an Eagles guy, used to do Eagles pre and post game, comes from that area. Uh, You can expect some Eagles questions. And if if Debo well and truly did not want to be asked those questions, then that representation should have told that interviewer beforehand, hey, he's he's over it with, with the whole Philadelphia thing. If we can avoid that, that would be great. Um, it just seemed like a little bit of a failure on everybody's part. I don't blame Debo. I don't necessarily blame the guy. It, it's it, it was just dumb. <laughs> I guess it's a bit. I mean, I heard it. I'm like, whatever. And of course... Philadelphia fans want to blow up because they're like, ah, Debo's soft. And um, and it's like at the, sa- at the same Philadelphia fans that at one point were saying, Debo needs to stop talking about Philadelphia. But the 49ers just keep getting asked about that game over and over. They have no choice but to talk about it. And obviously, I don't blame Debo for just finally being over it. And then you have the same Philadelphia fans that are nonstop up in arms and players about the grass that both teams played on. So just a stupid situation. So I don't really necessarily think it needs to be broken down in any more detail than that. The whole situation was stupid. Everybody was a little stupid. That's about all I got for you. I mean, I'm not blaming anybody. It's just, it was just kind of dumb. I was like, huh, that's stupid. Anyways. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Anyway, on Debo, going back to in, in, in the view of the roster, Debo's talent is undeniable. Undeniable. I mean, 2021 season was one of the better seasons we've seen from a receiver ever in a while, a long time. You know, just play after play after moment after moment. The talent is undeniable. The consistency is a little bit of a problem. We'd heard little rumblings and, and about his is whether or not 
He's in the best of shape at all times, going all the way back to when the 49ers drafted him. And you've just kind of seen a little bit of that, you know, but in the end, that's usually drowned out by the fact that his teammates just say that he is the ultimate competitor. He's the ultimate football player. Um, I mean, right before scoring against the Cowboys, he looked at Kyle Shannon and he said, give me the ball. And then he scored on a play that didn't necessarily look like it was drawn up to score. So, I mean, it's just a matter of you never quite know what you're going to get from Debo at the beginning of the year. I think that's probably one of the better ways to say it. You just never quite know. Um, It's unlikely that he touches his 2021 season again, and I think that's okay. I do think that's okay. I think think it would be unfair to expect 2021 from Debo again, considering the situation, how, you know, the injuries at running back, how much the 49ers needed him to do, and the fact that there's talent has stepped into the door. And, you know, George Kittle's healthy. Christian McCaffrey's in the building. D, uh, Brandon Ayuk's no longer in the doghouse. He's emerging as a as an absolutely legit receiver. So it, to me, it's it, – are you looking at a Debo Samuel who maybe is slightly overvalued in terms of his contract? We'll see. I think that conversation is going to become a bit more prevalent. I think that there's an element to this that involves Christian McCaffrey. I think Christian McCaffrey being in this offense has made Debo a little less important in the fact that he is now the guy that you want carrying the ball. He's the guy you want catching short passes. He's the guy you want, um, you know, starting in the backfield and coming out of the backfield. Now, I'm not saying that Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel are the, the same player. They're not at all. But some of the things that made Debo Samuel unique, Christian McCaffrey can also do. And it was uh, it was great that the 49ers had McCaffrey last year because Samuel just had a down year. Well, McCaffrey was there to kind of prop prop that that aspect of the offense up on their shoulders. So, you know, as the salary cap begins to tighten, you know, as as the 49ers start to, you know, embrace the reality that they're paying a lot of players a lot of money. You know, just this year, you've got Trent Williams, Trent Williams, 28 million, Eric Armstead, 21 million, George Kittle, 21 million, Nick Bosa, 18 million, and that's that's just his rookie salary. Trey Lance is, is I'm I'm going, oh, you know what? Well, excuse me. I was reading the the dead money of contracts. So a little bit of an idiot move. Let's read through it. Not huge differences though. Trent Williams, 27.2 million. Eric Armstead, 23.7 million. George Kittle, 18 million. Nick Bosa, 18 million. Trey Lance, 9 million. Fred Warner, 9 million. Uh, Debo Samuel, 8.6 million. In terms of a cap hit, that's great. But when you jump up to 2024, which is kind of the angle at which we're looking at this, Trent Williams, 28. Eric Armstead, 25. George Kittle, 19. Trey Lance, 10.8, 11, essentially. Fred Warner, 24. Debo Samuel, 28. Javon Hargrave, 15. Kyle Juszczyk, 7.5. Jarvarius Ward, can I? I wish I could shuffle it by that amount. 17.9 for Ward, 9.6 for Dre Greenlaw, 14.1 for Brandon Ayuk, 14.1 for Christian McCaffrey. There are a lot of players getting paid in this offense, and Debo Samuel is the highest paid player on that list. Now, if you're getting 2021 Debo Samuel every season, then, hey, I'm questioning everything. 
But the 49ers didn't get 2021 Debo Samuel last year. Are they going to get a player closer to that this year? That And again, the numbers don't have to line up like that. You just want that threat, that versatile, big play threat that Debo is. And, you know, are they going to get that this year? We'll see. I think the 49ers have this year to check it out. You know, and, and, and you know, this is a year where Debo Samuel's on the offense. So is Brandon Ayuk. So is Chris McCaffrey. So, so is George Kittle. So it's not going to be about necessarily replicating those 2021 numbers. It's going to be about just does he add that home run hitter to the offense? And if not, the 49ers have other players that they perhaps could lean on if they felt like, hey, like, I'm not sure we're going to get this type of production or anything close to that, close to this from Debo anymore. Can these guys take on a more prominent role if the 49ers see Debo as somebody – that's expendable moving forward. I'm in no way saying the 49ers should do that. I just think this year is going to paint that picture a little clearer because they've got Brandon Ayuk's contract coming up. We'll get into that. What can we expect from Debo in 2023? That's to me, asking that question is part of why I talk about things like his contract value and you know what would another team get up, give up to get him. Um, what should we expect? You know, he's a little inconsistent because when I ask myself, what can we expect from Debo in 2023? I, I kind of pause. I don't know because he has his up and downs. You know, he's even been critical of himself on his down years. The offense is chocked full of talent. What can we expect from Debo in 2023? I mean, again, his 2021 numbers just to, Lay those on you again. 77 catches for 1,400 yards at 8.2 yards a pop. Six touchdowns. 59 carries for 365 yards and eight touchdowns. That's almost 1,800 scrimmage yards and 14 touchdowns. I don't think we should expect anything close to that for Debo Samuel. But I think a good season for him would be right around 1,100 yards receiving five to eight touchdowns through the air and maybe 200 to 300 yards rushing with another five touchdowns there. That would be an excellent season for Debo to me. That keeps him in the conversation of the, the cornerstone of the 49ers offense that, that keeps him there. But again, I mean, that would be excellent considering you've also got McCaffrey. You've also got Kittle. You've also got Ayuk. You've also got use it's just, it's a huge question mark. Not necessarily a bad way. You're just, you've got consistency in, in question and you've got opportunities in question. So I'm not sure what to expect from Debo in 2023. We know he's a playmaker. We know at one point he made this offense go around. And we'll see if he kind of works himself back into that conversation. Now, somebody not necessarily standing in his way, but a player that's going to factor into Debo's success is Brandon Ayuk. And y'all have heard me talk about Brandon Ayuk on this podcast. I believe Brandon Ayuk is an elite receiver and a genuine wide receiver one in the NFL. I don't care that he's like the fourth option in this offense. You already, you're intelligent. You know why that is. You know, the the first option in this offense is George Kittle, or excuse me, 
at one point it was Christian McCaffrey, the 49ers run game. That man showed up and nobody looked back. So he's option one. And then, you know, you've kind of got a, a blend between Debo Samuel and George Kittle as options two and three. When Brock Purdy stepped in, it looked like Kittle was now option two. Pretty definitively. And then you had Debo, and then you had Ayuk. Well, Ayuk seemed to have stepped uh, just by the season, you, just by statistics alone. I mean, Ayuk last year had at 78 catches on 114 targets for 1,015 yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah, that I mean, that's that's solid production for a fourth option. And to me, sort of kind of eclipsed Debo Samuel as the third option. And maybe that's why Ayuk's numbers stepped up. And maybe that's why he's kind of established himself as, well, look, I know Debo Samuel's Debo Samuel, but I have my own brand of, of playmaking as well. I have my own skill set to offer this offense as well. And I think that Ayuk has proven himself a an essential element of this offense. I think a lot of people kind of just brazenly say, oh, well, you know, this will be Brett and Ayuk's last season, you know, they'll, they they picked up the fifth year option, but they'll probably just trade him. And I'm like, pump the brakes, because I think the moment you trade away a player like Brandon Ayuk is the moment you realize how important he is to this offense. I mean, you're talking about like from ten yards on, that's Brandon Ayuk's domain. Like you're talking about the top half of the offense, and of course, you know, there's Kittle's, there's there's still Debo. There's McCaffrey at times that, that that create plays that extend into that second half of the field. But to me, the entire intermediate to deep threat of this offense comes from Brandon Ayuk. And again, if you took this guy and you put him in a situation like some of these guys that are just getting absolutely peppered with targets, I think he's a 14 to 1500 yard receiver. And I think you're having a completely different conversation about him. If he was drafted to the Vikings or he was drafted to the Bengals or the Chiefs or, you know, at this point, even, you know, if he was on the Dolphins, whatever, I think that you're having an entirely different conversation about Ayuk and how he's a top 10 to five receiver in the NFL. I I just believe that much in him. I mean, there's a lot of more in-depth statistics that speak to you know, Brandon Ayuk's consistency, how open he gets, his playmaking ability based on how many targets he gets. Just the base stats might tell you, oh, he's the 15th best receiver in the NFL. But when you look at the more of those more in-depth things and how often he's open and how much separation he creates and how good his hands are, um, you start to see that you're like, okay, this really is an elite receiver on an offense that doesn't necessarily need an elite receiver. I'm not saying that they would be less that they wouldn't be less without him. But Brandon Ayuk is truly uh, one of the NFL's premier receivers, and he just kind of flies under the radar around the NFL, not necessarily to 49ers fans. I think that they kind of know what he is. But I'm expecting a big season for Ayuk. I'm expecting a bigger season than he had in 2022. I'm expecting him to maybe get up close to 1,200 yards. 10 plus touchdowns. Um, he's going to make his mark on what his place in this organization or in the NFL is going to be. 
Ayuk's either going to make big plays for the 49ers going forward, or he's going to be a very hotly regarded trade asset that the 49ers could look into. I just don't think the 49ers are going to be in a position where they can sacrifice 50 plus million dollars to two receivers. So I think that at some point down the road, it's going to come down to the 49ers choosing between Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. And I think this next year, especially if everything goes well with Brock Purdy is going to define which direction the 49ers could or should go. There is a reality where maybe they, they both get signed and, 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 you know, things change, maybe contracts are restructured, what have you that keeps them together. But it just feels like with the amount of talent on this roster that a tipping point is going to happen within this position group that really makes it to where the 49ers have to choose between the two. And I want to be clear that I'm not saying that that's a a guarantee. I'm not saying that it's a reality. It seems like something that's going to come eventually. And right now, I would go with Brandon Ayuk over Debo Samuel in this 49ers offense. I feel like between Brock Purdy's connection with George Kittle, his connection with Christian McCaffrey and everything that guy does, Brandon Ayuk is sort of that third piece that represents the part of the offense that you need, the big play through the air ability. Debo Samuel kind of fits somewhere in there. And and the the crazy thing is, is that I'm talking about this. There's no part of me that wants to devalue what Debo Samuel does and how good he is. But I just think Brandon Ayuk is that good. So will they have to make this choice? I don't know. It seems like it'll eventually come up. That's who I'd pick. Would I, you know, would it be that crazy that the 49ers went the other way? I just think we've gotten to a point where Brandon Ayuk is, it's just not crazy if you consider him a better receiver and a more important part of this offense than Debo Samuel. But again, you're talking about two incredible players and we'll see where they go this season and what they're capable of. Um, you know, with both of them hopefully firing on all cylinders. But like I said, when it comes to Brandon Ayuk, I just have such a high opinion of his ability. Even Debo Samuel said himself, you can't cover this man in a phone booth. And that to me is, and I think that Kyle Shanahan's going to have a, a connection with Ayuk, given what they went through together and the fact that Shanahan had to send him into the dreaded doghouse and watch him emerge a, a different dog got that dog in him. So um, just an interesting situation. That's all it is, guys. I'm not, there's no part of me that wants to make a bold claim right now. I could just see um, sooner than later, they're becoming a time where they have to choose between, you know, what can we get from Debo? What can we get for IU? Just remember the 49ers had to choose, uh, you know, at the time they had to choose between Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. So you know, there. I think another similar and tough choice is coming between these two. They're going to have to look at, depending on the 2023 season, who has more value to both the NFL and to the 49ers offense. So it's interesting to talk about. It's interesting to think about. We're not there yet, but it's just something to kind of keep in your mind as this season progresses. Um, behind those two, you've got Jawan Jennings, third and Jawan. The dude caught 
35 passes and 23 of them were for first downs. And I would be, we will, I would be willing to bet that 20 of those catches were on third down. The guy was just reliable exactly when you needed him. It seemed like they just, whenever they needed a Juwan Jennings, they got a Juwan Jennings. 35 catches, 416 yards, and one touchdown. He had five touchdowns last year as a, uh, five touchdowns last year as a rookie. Um, exactly what you need a number three receiver to be in this offense. And when I say number three receiver, that's just receiver. Um, when you look at the receiving statistics, you've got Brandon Ayuk at the top with 78 receptions, George Kittle right behind him at 60, Debo Samuel at 56, Christian McCaffrey at 52, and then Juwan Jennings at 35. I don't know where the numbers change, but He's, I mean, he's like the fifth option on this offense. So everything you could want from a fifth option and uh, it threw a passing game. So I think that Juwan Jennings spot on this offense, on this, on this team is safe. I think, like I said, he's the third receiver. Um, He's a team guy. He's a trash talker. He gets in the defense's heads and not a whole lot more to say other than the fact that I think that for a seventh round pick, this guy has cemented himself a spot on a good roster, and that's not easy to do. Seventh round picks, as we're going to talk about, are not guaranteed a spot. So for him to work forward from that status and become a genuine third option on uh, in a receiving core that's pretty solid, uh, especially when you've got those two above you, is is commendable. And I think that he's somebody that's going to kind of, in 2023, just maintain that spot. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he finished with the exact same number of stats. I mean, as a rookie, he had 24 catches for 282 yards. And then in his second year, he had 35 catches uh, for 416 yards. So, you know, I I expect it to kind of just stay in that area. Now, behind those three guys, you've got Ray Ray McLeod, who really, for the most part, you could make a case that he was also kind of like a a number three receiver, but it was just more situational. He had 14 catches for 243 yards. He did exactly what you would think he did in this offense and averaged 17.4 yards per catch. That's higher than any of the other receivers we've talked about so far. And obviously he brings the return ability to the team, to the offense. So your fourth wide receiver also seems like his spot is safe. Now, um, rookie Ronnie Bell does have some return ability as well. Maybe he's somebody that could challenge Ray Ray McLeod's spot. Not the deep threat McLeod is. You know, McLeod's got some wheels, but has also has some return ability um, himself. So I, I don't necessarily see a competition there between those two. But you, you, if the 49ers were looking at some hard decisions and maybe there was another receiver that they wanted to keep, but they thought that Ronnie Bell could kind of fulfill McLeod's role, then maybe there's something to talk about there. But I do think that we've got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, and Ray McLeod are the top four, and the rest are having a competition for that fifth spot. Could the 49ers keep six? Sure, but they have so much talent on this roster that it's really hard to justify that six receiver spot. That's really kind of going to, it's going to be a guy that's going to get situational snaps. If you're not, especially if you're not a special team stud, it's really hard to keep you there. So two primary players that I see competing for that spot are Danny Gray 
a former third round pick two years ago, and uh, rookie Ronnie Bell out of Michigan. Both of them offer a little something different to the offense. Ronnie Bell, I was talking to uh, Crocker a while ago, and I said, man, he kind of just reminds me of Kendrick Bourne. He's a decent route runner. He's got solid hands. He's not fast, but he knows how to create some separation. And he even kind of runs like Kendrick Bourne. Long strider, um, likes to catch the ball out away from his body with his hands. And I don't necessarily like him as much as Kendrick Bourne, but I feel like they just have a similar flavor. And I feel like Bourne outperformed his expectations, you know, and went on to the Patriots and got paid and stuff like that. But I feel like if Bell makes it, he could kind of carve out a similar role. Now, again, you're talking about, uh, you know, an, a Kendrick Bourne that existed really before IU came on, before the the prime Debo Samuel. So he had a little bit more opportunity, whereas Ronnie Bell is going to have to claw his way onto the field to get in front of the guys like Ray Ray McLeod and Juwan Jennings. Uh, Danny Gray, you know, he's a third round pick that you would kind of expect more, a little bit of a project, fast as hell. But so far, his only his only bag of tricks has been a deep route. And, you know, yeah, you're, you would say, well, he's fast. What else is he going to be used for? I mean, he had seven targets and he caught one for 10 yards. So there's not a whole lot to go off there. But at the same time, you know, he's got to find some way to claw his way forward or he could be looking, he could be on the outside looking in as a, as a third round pick from two years ago. So, and I, the 49ers don't seem hesitant to, yeah, you'd rather see them hit on that pick, but they do not seem hesitant to just cut ties way, cut ties with a player. Um, even if they're drafted in the third round, if they just don't think he's a part of the equation, they would rather do that than cut a player that may have been drafted later in the draft, like Ronnie Bell, that they feel like can have an impact or they feel like another team could come after if they try and stash him on the practice squad. So, the heat is on for Danny Gray. I think that he needs to have a good camp and he needs to prove that he's more than a deep threat. He needs to show that he could run good routes, that he could catch with his hands, which was a little bit of a question mark coming out and can actually add a, a level of potency to this offense. Um, define himself as more of just a gadget or a specific type of play receiver and, uh, and earn a spot on this roster because if the 49ers are keeping five, that's it. You know, that's it. Behind them, you've got guys that, you know, like we went over them a little bit earlier. Not necessarily sure what to expect. You've got Isaiah Winstead, the, uh, what is it, Northeast Carolina the, uh, social media uh, guy that posted a video of his practices, just dicing people up, making good catches, and the 49ers decided to add him. They said that they didn't add him because of the social media stuff, but it kind of happened right after the social media stuff, so... Uh, and then you've got Willie Sneed, who they seem like they like. They keep bringing back. Uh, maybe adds a little flavor on special teams. Daz Newsom, Tay Martin, um, Chris Conley. Uh, bigger dude. Been in the NFL for nine years. 6'3", 205 pounds. Uh, I'm not sure what he's going to bring to the table. He's fast. He's athletic. But it just hasn't really, hasn't really caught on anywhere. So uh, we'll see if he's somebody that could possibly compete for that last roster spot. But... For the most part, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get Brandon Ayuk. You're going to get Debo Samuel. You're going to get Juwan Jennings and Ray Ray McLeod. And then after that, it's up to them. And I feel like the 49ers like that because you're throwing Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle into that mix. And you have 
six players who have proven they can get in there and do it. And then it's up to everybody else behind them to insert themselves into the lineup and give coaches a reason to plug them in. And if they get an opportunity, they have to seize it. That is the life of a late round draft pick slash undrafted free agent slash somebody just competing for a roster spot is every pass thrown your way matters, whether it's in training camp preseason or in a game, um, you've got to catch everything and you've got to make plays and you've got to convince somebody that you are not going away. So um, a very strong group of receivers that's very well defined. We know who's stepping in and where we just don't necessarily know uh, where the chips are going to fall as far as target share yards. Who's the man between Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Can they both be different types of men um, on the same offense? That's also stacked with players at other positions. So there's just a, you know, it's they're going to have to fight for targets and we'll see who comes out on top. This will be an interesting conversation to revisit throughout the season to see which of those two receivers is really kind of emerging as, as the man through the air. So, all right, that is it for me, y'all. I love you. Thank you for tuning back in to striking gold. And again, that break was in, in no way, Kind of planned. Had a, I had a vacation, and then Tyler had a vacation, and that's just how life goes, man. You gotta, you gotta take time for yourself. Remember, you're 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 replaceable in the work world. You're not replaceable at home with your family, with your friends. They always take time to do that stuff because, in the end, you are living your one shot at life. You know, it's I always kind of like psych myself out thinking about that because like, dude, you get one shot at all this, please go do fun stuff. Give yourself some time to just, that's not always a reality. I know how the world is, but try to give yourself some time to just do you. Uh, but again, I, as always, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to striking goal. Thank you for keeping this podcast alive and well, and uh, I will see you in about a week. We will continue breaking down. I will probably do offensive line. We'll do tight end. And then um, we'll jump onto the defensive side of the ball. And by that time, we will be right up against the training camp start date. So I hope you all are having a fantastic week. If you're anywhere near the Central Valley, please stay cool. Find find some way to stay cool uh, and stay safe. But thanks, everybody. Appreciate y'all. And uh, for another week, this is Striking Gold. We are signing out.